Bokartov. So what we're going to do is we have a lot. We have a lot to cover. We have Parasha Teruman Titzaveh. Teruman we only did half. Titzaveh continues with a lot of the description. It it it, it primarily describes the Kohanim. Yes. Parasha Titzaveh. And then and then when you look at Teruman Titzaveh as a unit, then you see that the Parasha is describing the inner sanctuary, then the outer sanctuary, then the the construction. And then the Mizbeach and the Chatzir, meaning it goes from the inward, mm-hmm. out. And then once it finishes with the Mishkan, then it goes to the people who serve in the Mishkan. So that's kind of the order. Okay, it starts with the physical items, and then it goes all the way out until it goes to the Kohanim. Nice. By the way... Uh, so Tetzaveh is more the... Tetzaveh is more the people's people. side, yeah. It's more the people's side. So now, but then Parashat, the Haftarah of Tetzaveh is from Yechezkel. I'm not going to do it... To be honest, I mean, it, it, it's good to read, but I'm just going to give you an like a, a bit of an overview. Is, is Shabbat is not a Shabbat para or anything like that. Um, I have to check. <laughs> Even if it were, I would still do the haftarah yeah, because sure. because uh, because I'm I'm looking more when studying these haftarot. What's relatable? Yeah. I, I'm looking more to see the relationship to the parasha. Shushan Purim, Tetzaveh. Is there a haftarah for Shushan Purim? No, I think only, it's only I think. Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it is going to be. Okay, so regular. It seems like it's going to be regular. It's go, it's going to be part of yes. uh, uh, So so Yechazkel, it, it's it's a fa- is a fascinating navi. By the way, he prophesied outside of Israel. He prophesied from from uh, from Bavel. So, uh, and and at the end of Yechazkel, there's a section. That describes the third Beit Hamikdash, how it's going to look. Very, very interesting piece of uh, piece of Tanakh. Uh, very difficult to, to read through because if you had difficulty with Parashat Teruman Tetzaveh, then imagine you take that plus the the difficult poetic language of a Navi, right? So it's it's very difficult. That that's what we study a little bit in in um, in Aftarav Tetzaveh. So. Cryptic. It is cryptic, and specifically, I think the Haftarah here speaks about the, the construction of the mizbeach, the the large mizbeach. Um, maybe uh, we could read a few psukim. Let's just read a few psukim, and then and then I'll we'll, we'll move on to the parashah or the thing, a few things I want to discuss. Because atav ben adam. By the way, if you ever see the word ben adam, mm-hmm. you know you're in the book of Yechazkel. <laughs> That's because we, because that's the way Borei Olam calls out to the prophet Yechazkel. Okay. Show the house to Israel that they may be ashamed of their sins and let them measure accurately. And if they stop doing all of their sins, then they should, uh, you should show them all of the, the, um, the sizes and the midot of the bay of the house, and they should do it. Zot Torah and this should be what the house should look like. Al Roshahar, Kol Saviv, Saviv Kodesh Kodashim. Alright, and then he starts going through uh, some of the details. And this is the, the dimensions of the Mizbeach. And then, 
and then let's skip a little. He's going. He's going to talk about the mizbeach. And then pasuk nineteen, he yeah. says, "Venatatay lakuanim alviim asherim mizerat sadok akrovim elai neumadonai loim l'sharateni par ben bakar lechatat." Then he'll give to the kuanim, the leviim, who are from the descendants of sadok hakohen. That was one of the lines of the Kohanim. There was uh, Eviatar HaKohen and there was Sadok HaKohen in the times of David HaMelech. Sadok was the better one. And from him came the Kohanim who had the, the dominant power until they got corrupted in the late Second Temple, late second, uh, temple Era. Okay. You'll take from the blood of this offering, you'll put it on the corners of the Mizbeach. Uh, let's see if he say, if he says anything else here. He's talking about some korbanot that you have to bring when you when same, you bring the, the kohanim. Same, the same korbanot when they do it in the mishkan is the same thing. Yeah, because in our parasha we're also going to have the korbanot of inauguration yeah, for the kohanim. So the it's, uh, it's talking a lot about that. Those that's items. Just a, what, that's a one time, or a, every yeah. time there's a new kohen, or no, no, no. This is when they do the inauguration of the mishkan. I think I think it was the inauguration of the mishkan. I mean, we should time. study it more in detail because I'm not I'm not uh, fully brushed up on the parasha on Monday. It's a bit early for that. Okay. Um, let's see. He bring them to and the Kohanim will throw on the offering salt. They'll bring them as an offering to Hashem. Seven days you should bring a the chatat, a goat for a chatat. For seven days, they will bring atonement on the Mizbeach and they will sanctify it and they will instill, uh, instill the labor to the, with the Kohanim. And then the, day, the seven days will end. And on the eighth day of the inauguration, very similar to the eighth day of our inauguration, yes. right? The, the, the Mishkan was inaugurated for seven days. And then the Kohanim will start to do on the eighth day the Korbanot, and then I will be happy with you, says uh, Hashem. Okay, so cryptic Aftara, all of Yechazkel is cryptic, and especially these parts of the Bet HaMikdash. To be honest, these parts of the Bet HaMikdash are so difficult that most people skip them. The same way that people skip them in, in the Parashiyot. And, there's a lot of uh, details of measurements, architectural details. Right, right. So now, um, getting back to Parashat Tiruma. Okay, so that, that's our summary of the Haftarah. It, it very, very much parallels Parashat Tetzaveh because it talks about the, the, the big to serve in the in the Beit HaMikdash. And then it speaks about the seven-day period of the inauguration which, if I'm not mistaken, is also in our parasha. So, all of that parallels our parasha very nicely. Now, now back to parasha Tiruma. There, are, we did. We spoke about the Aron. We spoke about the uh, the Shulchan. Yes. We spoke about the Menorah. Yes. The items we have left in our parasha. Let's quickly run through them. It's, uh, the, the curtains, most of the oh, curtains, okay. all the covers of the tabernacle. Let's see. Let me just find the page. All the walls. Outward, the out. Out, out. Okay, so we have we did the menorah. Now, now we talk about the covers, as you said, the covers. The way the covers work is there's going to be a lower cover of techelit v'argaman v'tolat shani v'shesh mushzar. That was the typical, like uh, the the typical weave that they used for for fabric in the mishkan, 
and that was probably the nicest one. Uh, then there was a second one of goat hair, which was probably a little bit less nice, but that was probably more, that was, it seems, I'm not sure about this, but it seems like that was more to protect from the elements and less for beauty because that was not the one that you saw. You saw the one of Talat Shani. You saw the one of the different the different the colors wool. That would be on the bottom. Then you had the goat hair, which was on the top, and that would also be covered with orot elim me odamim and this tachash. So they had uh, so so that goat hair was also covered on the top and on the bottom. Uh, you would see it because the covering was not complete. The covering on top of the goat hair wasn't complete. But what you would see when you're inside the Mishkan was the Tolat, Shani, you all those different colored wools. Um, the, the, the parasha goes into great detail as to, as to how there would be two... Attached. It would, be, it would really be two long covers that were like two tarps that were attached. And the parasha goes into great detail explaining how they were attached. There were, there were hooks on each end and then you had these kirasim which are hooks that would go in, that would slide into one, one end of the tarp and to the other end of the other tarp, and they would connect both. And the idea behind it is that those two tarps would meet somewhere over the Kodesh HaKodashim, meaning somewhere over the division place between the Kodesh HaKodashim and the Kodesh. Right, so it's almost like it's showing that there is a separate, that the Kodesh HaKodashim is like a separate holy item. Okay, um, that would be that. Let's see. Uh, and that takes us all the way to uh, Rivi'i, which is the Kirashim. The Kirashim were the beams, the beams that made up the actual walls of the Mishkan, right? So we, we spoke about the covering that sat on those beams, but we don't know what the beams are. So the beams were typically, they were Shittim wood. Uh, the way it would work is you'd have one beam with two pegs on the bottom of the beam, and each peg would sit in a different socket. The sockets were silver, uh, and, and there were two separate ones, but the beam would be overlaid with gold. Okay? Uh, uh, and then the beams were all connected. They had like a system for connecting the beams to make sure it was sturdy. Um, then we did... This was for the temporary Mishkan? It's all yes, for the yes. temporary Mishkan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the, yes. what they had to go through? I'm, to build I'm going to discuss... Build, you know, this is not a joke. Yeah. I'm going to Bad discuss a little bit. <laughs> Let's see. Because every day, if they move, take apart, assemble, disassemble, move it, pack it. Oh, and you then know. you have the parochet. After we talk about the beams, you have the parochet, which was what? It was a separation between the Kodesh and Kodashim with the, the Kodesh. Okay? But we see in the parochet, we see again the word Kiruvim, that it should be made Kiruvim. So that's another interesting thing they to keep an eye out for. It was designed on it. It was designed. It wasn't... Um, two sides. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a... They didn't mold anything out of, uh, out of, out of any material. It was designed in, into the weave of the parochet were the kiruvim. So you have that. Probably to show the importance of the Kodesh of Right. And then, and then after... Um, probably. And then you have... After that, we have Vasid Mizbech at Seshitim. Then you have... Which one is this? No, this is the outer altar. This is the outer altar, right? Did we do? We didn't do the the golden altar, did we? Did you see it in our parasha? No, we saw the show. We saw the table for the show, bread. Misbech is at the end. Misbech is at the end. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. It's one of the things we should we should analyze. Why is the copper misbech taught before the golden misbech? 
Mizbech? It's probably in Tetzave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, just a clan. Yeah. Very good point. These are the things we pick up on. Yeah, it's at the end of Parashat Tetzave. So after that's that's something we should analyze. After the Kohanim, the Kohanim. After the yeah. Kohanim. That's very, that's very, that's very interesting. Okay, but then we have the copper Mizbeach. And this was the Mizbeach that they would bring the, all the Korbanot. They also had the Ma'aracha, which was the, the, the fire that would not stop. And that's something that they had on this copper Mizbeach. It's, it's a famous uh, fire that they would never Eshtamid, stop. No? Yeah, but we had two Eshtamids in the, in the, in the Mishkan, the Bet HaMikdash, the Menorah, which was always lit. And you had the Ma'aracha on the, which was on the copper Mizbeach, which also they would make sure to always keep lit with wood. One of the jobs of the Kohanim was to provide wood towards that Ma'aracha, ma'aracha to keep it lit. Right, and then there was like a Tirumat Adeshen thing. I don't know what, what, the, what the idea was, but they used to, used to fight over these jobs. The Kohanim loved these jobs. Okay, and then the description of that is also uh, in a great detail. Then you have Shavi'i which talks about the Chatser of the Mishkan, which was the outer part of the Mishkan, which was what surrounded the... which is what was... In, which what enclosed the... Everything. the Mizbeach, which is described, yeah. the Mizbeach and Choshet, and it was one step lower in terms of the material used. For example, the curtains are not out of... T- the wool, they're out of linen, and that's cheaper, you know. And then the... the, um, the beams... They're not out of gold, they're out of silver. And the sockets, they're not out of silver, they're out of copper. copper. So everything is like one step lower with these, with these mm-hmm. beams. Um, and then so you the, have... Right, and then you have, it also discusses the cover that went in front of the, of the chatser entirely. Yes. And that was a separate thing altogether. So that, that was a, a summary of Parashat Roman. Now what I like to do, the way I like to study these parashiyot, I, to be honest, I've gotten the question like 20 times, how are you going to study Parashat Turman Tetzaveh, is to understand what happens first of all, to understand the physical structure, to have a, be able to create a visual image in your mind. From the way I'm describing it, it would probably, if you don't know or you don't have pictures, you'd be, it would be impossible to understand what I'm even saying. So I do recommend, Art Scroll has a book called The Mishkan. I think it's on it. It probably is the best book on Parashat Turman Tetzaveh, where it goes in such detail, it goes through a, the renderings of all, what all these things look like. Um, the way I learned these parashot every year is I just flip through the book just to remind myself what everything looked like. You know, you don't have to, you could kill yourself over understanding what the Perushim are saying, you know, because they're using words to describe images. It's a very hard thing to do. Um, or you could just have somebody provide you them. Now, the only thing is, those are all opinions, meaning even the renderings in they that book. Show a few different yeah, things. they're all opinions. It's not exactly clear. Hopefully, but, soon we're going to see the real thing. I mean, it's not, uh, we are not very far from it. Right. So, so once. But once you do that, once you understand that, then you have to understand also the metaphysical, like the philosophical significance of the structure. And there are, there are a few very, very, very interesting points about the Mishkan. The first thing is that the Mishkan is a portable house of worship. Okay? Now for us, this sounds like something maybe adi. You know? Okay, so what if it's portable? We're used to it. But it, it's the, the idea of a portable house of worship has very, very deep philosophical significance because do you know in Parashat Balak whenever Bil'am was trying to curse Bnei Israel, He had to go and see them. Do you know, do you know what he kept doing every time the, the curse didn't, 
he wanted to try to find he was blessing them. A, yeah, but but do you remember what exactly he was he was doing whenever he was trying to curse Ben Israel? He, he had a he had an altar. He would he would tell Bilam, take me to this place. Maybe from there I will be able to curse Ben Israel. You can even find yeah. in the text. Why why was he looking? For for a specific an place. Yeah. He was looking for an angle. Yeah. A specific angle. Here he said, "Build for me here a mizbeach, and here specifically bring these korbanot. So maybe I'll be able to curse them here." And what's the idea? The idea is, in the pagan mind, God would the presence of God would rest in very specific places. If you want to manipulate him. You could catch him if you find where his presence is most active. Okay, so what is the silent polemic that the, that the Torah is is doing when it's telling us that uh, you make the Mishkan v'shachanti b'tocham? You make the Mishkan, and I will dwell in Bnei Israel. That God doesn't really rest in any specific place. The only place that God can rest is in the hearts of men. So why are we building the Mishkan? We're building the Mishkan in order to create a place where I as an individual can go and feel uplifted enough to accept the Shekhinah of God within me. God, God doesn't dwell in the Mishkan. God dwells in the heart of man. And because of that, God can dwell anywhere that man decides to open up his heart to him. Any place in the world where, where a person decides, I want to connect to Olam, he could do that. So the symbolism behind the Mishkan being transportable is to, is to get rid of that pagan thinking that God is in this specific place the same way Bil'am thought that God could be sought after in this specific place and can be manipulated and the idea is wait wait we're traveling in the desert of all places and we have 30 stops along the way and God is with us equally at all these places so long as we reach out to him if we go into the Mishkan and feel uplifted uplifted, then God will be there also That's so that it's like he couldn't like uh, he, he he couldn't he in that case, it's also that whole parasha is about a, a it's it's a mockery of yeah. the pagan mentality trying to be applied to Borei Olam, right? So that that's what's interesting about Parashat Bilam. But the and then and the significance of, of the Mishkan and the reason I think perhaps now this is this is a, a maybe you could say I'm going overboard with this, but you could say that you know what what makes it in our Torah is not the, phys- the permanent structure of the Beit HaMikdash but the temporary structure of the Mishkan and you said the Beit Knesset if the Beit Knesset was modeled after one thing was it after the Mishkan or after the Beit HaMikdash? After the Mishkan because the Mishkan is the one that's, tra- that's not in only one specific yes. location the Mishkan, the Mishkan represents the idea that I could go to any Beit Knesset in the world and feel and, uplifted and, 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 and connect to God I'm going to that, be, you're going to be in my heart. Right, exactly. Same, same That's what the Mishkan represents. So, um, uh, it could be that Borei Olam put the Mishkan in the Torah because what has been more relevant for a longer swath of Jewish history? This notion that we can reach out to God from anywhere, anywhere. even in exile, yes. even in the desert. And that could be one of the deeper meanings behind the, the Mishkan. Now, the other, we're going to do a couple more of these deeper insights into the Mishkan. Bezar Hashem tomorrow.